Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Okay, I'm going to read very, very briefly. Very briefly. And then Matthew will speak. Stop. <laughs> Don't read too briefly. Yeah. I'm going to read pretty briefly. Because the faster I read, the faster we get to drink and eat more cake. I thought I knew what I would read. I do know what I'm going to read. Okay. There's a part in this, at the beginning of this book where it's raining in June in Los Angeles, and I thought, I have to read that part. <laughs> and then it's really only like a paragraph and a half, and then the part that comes after isn't as evocative. Uh, so not reading about rain in June, but it's in there. Okay. Fresno smelled like dust and the start of rotting fruit. It was afternoon when we arrived, and the sun was high and hot. Once we got out of the center of town, off the 99, down Avenue 7, halfway to Firebaugh, through the vineyards on the one-lane road to the house, you could begin to smell the briny river and the algae that grows up the sides of canals. It had been the third bad year in a row for water. The canals were nearly empty. The smell of the river and the dust in the vineyards always made me homesick. Homesick while I was standing right there at home. I think I'm developing a limp, I said. Okay, Anne said. She pulled my small suitcase out of the back. Don't angle for attention when I'm already giving it to you. (laughs) I can't move. I sat in the car with the door open. The heat hit hit you hard enough to make your ears ring, an open-handed smack. The air was sharp with dust. You're being pathetic. She dragged the suitcase through the carport to the kitchen. You need to get something in you. Through the screen door, I saw our mother playing solitaire at the table in her nightgown. The back of her hair pushed up flat into a pile from from sleeping. Her free hotel slippers worn through to the soles. (laughs) Mother had a whole closet full of free hotel slippers, still in their canvas bags. But she would keep washing the old ones until they entirely disintegrated. Free hotel slippers last longer than you think. Mother had been collecting them for 30 years. Let me finish this game, Mom said to Anne as she came through the door. This does not look good, she said to the cards, shaking her head. This is not good, as if she blamed our arrival. (laughs) It's sweltering in here, Anne said. We are conserving electricity, Mother said. It's a hundred degrees out there, Anne said. Turn on the air, will you? Have some ice water, Mother told her. There she is, Mother called out to the car. Don't sit there, Inky. Come inside. It's cooler in the car, Anne said. If you would like to pay the electric bill, Anne, that's fine, Mother said. What's wrong with the screen door? It didn't slam behind me the way it usually did. The spring was broken. I don't know, Mom said. You step into this house and you start complaining. When I ask for your opinion, you don't give it. When I don't want it, you're yakking all over the place. (laughs) 
One eyelash extension wobbled independently of the rest. (laughs) This house is falling apart, Anne said. Don't you fall apart, mother. Me, mother said. I am entirely put together. She smoothed down the front of her wild hair. I just got up. Tiny pieces of down were stuck in the dark curls around her face. How was the drive? She hugged me. She was damp with sweat, and she smelled like sleep. Anne says, the rumors are true. There's not a tree full of fruit between here and Ventura. I think I'm going to stop there. (laughs) That feels good. (laughs) Now I've put all the pressure on Matthew to talk. Yeah, it's also one of the very rare times that one goes to reading and wish wish that you would have gone on for quite (laughs) quite a while. Um, And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I don't think so. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the, as as that little um, uh, very brief excerpt might start to give you an an inkling, um, and most of you probably know this, but this this book is about uh, Ingrid, the, the heroine, um, going home to her to her family's um, vineyard and and uh, and uh, staying perhaps a little longer than she initially intends. Um, and when I remember us having a conversation about this, and you said that 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 the um, that when you initially conceived the book and when you you know wrote when you when you wrote the first draft of it, that the, um, the there, it wasn't about that at all. The 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 uh, vineyard was sort of mentioned in a paragraph or something. The vineyard like that? was originally a peach orchard, and when I sold this book in 2005, it's been a long, long process <laughs> ordeal. It's been a long ordeal. Um, the, it was about the New York art world. I had written 75 pages because my agent wanted to do a two book deal, and I wrote about the New York art world, and there was one paragraph about a girl who came from a peach orchard, who, who's parent, who grew up on a peach orchard in Fresno. And when I went out to drinks with my, the woman who became my editor, she said, how do you feel about that second novel? And I said, I had had two Manhattans. And I said, you know, I am not interested in, at all in that second novel. <laughs> I said, the only part that even interests me is the peach orchard. And she says, that's the part that interests me. So um, I completely threw out the book. I kept the, car- the paragraph about the peaches. Um, I cha- and then as, and it was a long process writing the book, but I eventually, I did change it pretty early on to grapes. Uh, they are, they just, they're, they're riskier, and so they, they felt more vital. Um, and they play a huge part. In, I mean, you... you, you um you strike me as much more knowledgeable about wine in the book than... Now I am. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research. Super fun research. Um, my father has these grape farming friends, and I just... I, I was having trouble with the book. I was ready to throw it out. And I called up my editor. I said, you know, this is the one we throw out. This is the book that's not going to work. And she said, oh, no. You need to put... Ingrid was not on the farm. She was telling the story. She says, you need to put Ingrid on the farm. And I said, do you know how much research I would have to do to put Ingrid on the farm? And she says, Catherine, do your research. (laughs) So I went up to Fresno and drove around with the farmers for two or three harvests in a row. Um, The the, the only reason that I I even feel inclined to 
you know, ask these questions about, and you refer to the book as an ordeal, is because it couldn't read less like one. I mean, it's really kind of the most natural and, and kind of delightfully natural novel that I've read this year, you know, and 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 um, one of the things that that strikes me most about it is it's it's um, it's incredible doubleness of tone, um, you know, as you guys probably could tell from hearing her read it. Um, it's funny, um, it's very funny, consistently hilarious, and yet one would have to be an idiot to read it as a comedy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the other day, um, I was I was leafing through it, and I there was a there's a moment in which. Um, She's mentioning how Ingrid and I had a roommate who used to um, leave post-it notes around the house. For they would leave post-it notes with the, with lines from films, um, kind of stuck uh, around. Um, and uh, one of the lines was, uh, uh, "Do you like a cold apple?" And uh, and I thought, God, that's such, a, that's, I thought, that's such a great line. Surely that's from you know Billy Wilder or you know some some sort of fantastic. And I and I. I emailed you and I said, Catherine, is that a real, is that a real, where does that, where's that from? And you, and you said it was, it's from Fatso, um, the, 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 the Dom DeLuise movie, and, um, which, I, which I had never seen and which I now will second Catherine's incredible recommendation of. It's, it's worth, uh, you know, Netflixing and YouTubing. But, um, but Matthew said, I can't believe you don't know The Godfather and you know Fatso. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but you know what what what, what you said uh, you know when when we were talking about about that film you said you know she said you said oh it's so in that scene in particular yeah. the, the cold apple scene yeah. she said oh it's so fantastic you you just watch it and you, there's such pathos in it you don't know whether to to, to laugh or commit suicide um, well like everything good and I thought well that that's I mean you know that that's more or less true of, of this book I'm not I don't know about suicide you you don't know whether to you don't know whether to laugh or or sort of take to your bed for a, a week. Um, I don't know why the other day, my family's been in town, and the other day we, we were talking about the movie Fatso, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a, a movie loved by all the tailors, and, uh, and we, so we looked up, one of the first things that comes up when you look up the movie is, is Roger Ebert's review, and he gave it this vicious, terrible review in 81 or something when it came out, and... Uh, and what he said is, well, you, the movie doesn't know what it is. You don't know whether you're supposed to laugh or whether you're supposed to cry. Right. Like, the- you're an idiot. <laughs> 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 right. But but the, you know, but the book does move. It's I mean, it's it, it, that to me is it's kind of I mean, one of its most st- stunning features is that it moves at this kind of you know kind of giddy comedic gallop, and and at the same time is so piercing. Um, you know, you, you I, I kept. Um, I, I had read you had given me the book in manuscript, and then I had a galley which I which I gave to someone else because I felt they needed to read it. And I hadn't read the last twenty five pages until until this right. past weekend. And you're right; they're the best part. <laughs> <laughs> read through to the end. <laughs> um, another thing that. Um, this book does that I would not have anticipated any um, novel being able to do for me. It was give, give me a, a sort of direct to my yearning towards Fresno. I, I feel like you, you really, and, and you, we saw this too, I think, in the, at the beginning of the passage that you read. I mean, you, you evoke its, um, its geography and its heat and its moods, and, and I, you know, I found myself thinking, God, has, has there ever been such a beautiful love letter? I mean, I know there's, there's, there is obviously, you know, a great, literary tradition of central Californian literature and, and authors who've written 
very specifically about Fresno, but I don't know if they've done it so fondly. Little did I know. <laughs> I have a really complicated relationship with my hometown, and I think when I was writing, I thought you can't you can't write. I think I, I feel I. D- I read in an interview the other day where apparently I said, I don't know where all my hostility toward my hometown comes from. So I I don't like to use the word hostility, but it is an emotion that comes up when I think about where I'm from. um, But when I was writing the book, you can't write about a place and feel hostile toward it. So I wrote like from a place of sort of pure love. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah, it really it really comes across. But what, what why why do you think that is? I mean, you know, the the not the why do you love it, but why why do you think you can't write from a place of pure hostility? I mean, you say that and I think I want you know, I mean, I just wonder I think you can yeah. I can't sustain a hostile angry tone. Right. I don't know. I don't right. I don't enjoy books that sustain a hostile angry yeah. tone. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Nor do I. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Shall we take questions so we can start eating and drinking? If you, yeah, sure. Sure. Let's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, before you submit a manuscript, how many people do you show it to, if anyone? I wrote this one for a long time, and I wasn't sure when I wanted to show it to anyone. Also, I had... I had I wasn't even sure when I started liking the manuscript. It was a long, long process. And in 2009, I threw the entire thing out. So everything I'd written between 2005 and 2009 got completely discarded, and I started over. Um, And, I mean, a different voice and some of the same characters and the same story, but I just didn't even keep anything that was in the first manuscript. Um, And so... I don't know when I started showing it to people. Really, I mean, a lot. A couple of my readers, Matthew is one, and Elizabeth is over there. Elizabeth still hasn't read it. Um, there, you know, it's like I, I was afraid. It was. It was like I was so insecure about this book. I was like afraid to let the people I respect even look at it. Um, and so, a couple of really close friends who aren't book writers, a screenwriter, and. Uh, Actually, you know, the person who read it was my editor because she had to, because she had to know I was writing something. Um, so I didn't, I didn't give it to any anyone really until the very, very end. I gave it to Matthew like right before it went into transmission. Yeah, yeah. it was done. I mean, yeah, it was pretty done. much done, yeah. except for the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. When did you get past that? I had a contract, and the editor told me you have to write this book. <laughs> really, well, I really was ready to throw it out, and then when she said, you, you know, you have to. It, I think that doing the research really invigorated me. When I started going up there and actually taking the rides on the tractors, like I was like, "Oh my! How could I even conceived of writing this book without having already done this?" It would, you know, it made almost no sense then. Um, and so when I started doing a lot of research, my excitement ramped up, and the fear kind of disappeared. Yeah. How many revisions have you done? Seven <laughs> hundred. <laughs> There's been a lot of. I mean, are you talking about the first draft or the second or the first manuscript? Or the, if, if you start in 2009, forty. Yeah, I don't know. Elizabeth has a question. Yeah. Well, so as you pointed out to everyone, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Sorry. I'm curious about the the ending process because I think you and I have actually talked about this. So many books 
they're amazing all the way to the last 20, 30 pages, and they just start, I don't even read the last 15 pages of any book anymore, like I'm, I'm scared to. So how did you, what was it like to go from the first couple tries at an ending and how did you, like, how did you, was there an epiphany moment? I knew what was going to happen at the end. I knew what would, would happen. I was just having a really hard time writing it. And it went through 30 drafts, at least. And I waited until the very end, until the very end of my, of my deadline to even write the first draft of the ending. And then the editor said, this doesn't work, and this doesn't work. And, and uh, you know, I sent it to, I sent it to people, I sent it to a friend who's really good with structure. And I said, why is this ending not working? And he explained it to me very clearly, and which was essentially you need to have a larger conflict and, and a larger um, confrontation at the end. I thought I had already written a confrontation, <laughs> but apparently I had not. So what I did was I wrote what I almost thought was a farce of a confrontation. I thought it was such an obvious confrontation, which I usually don't write. Everything I like to be under the surface. Um, and people love it. So, <laughs> so you have to go back like up into the first one third of the book and change things to lead up to that. I did a little bit. I had to I had to um, increase Anne's character throughout. I wasn't will- I wasn't willing to get rid of Anne, but she needed to have some role in the end in order to, to justify keeping her and um, and so I did have to go back and increase her role throughout. So I but n- minor minor stuff compared to the kind of revision I had done before throwing everything out. Breaks? <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, give yourself some time to work on other projects in between? No. I'm a miserable person. I sit at my desk all day. I don't see anyone. No, I wasn't writing anything. When I mean, when I spoke to my publicist, she's like, "What have you been doing since 2007?" <laughs> Um. <laughs> I'm finding it very hard to square the, the, the glum glum portrait you're painting with both the book you've written and the person you are so <laughs> yeah do you feel like you predicted the California drought? yeah there's Meryl Meryl's around here so that was not in the book until last year really it's so mercenary I was doing a final final rewrite and I didn't want to deal with water uh, when I was right it's too political I didn't want to deal with it and um, and so but then I mean the drought just went on and on and on and so I said to Meryl last summer I said you know I had made a point of saying there was not a drought, that the problem with the grapes and the peaches in the book did not come from water, because I didn't want to deal with it. Well, then I said to Meryl, you know, maybe I should just change it so that it did come from water. (laughs) He said, yes, Catherine. (laughs) So I only, so yes, clearly I did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you said the, the research process reinvigorated kind of writing process. How much did that inform, I guess, structure and outline? Or did you already have the outline and that just kind of helped fill it in? Or was it- I can't outline. Um, but when I started going up and riding around with the farmers, everything that I wanted to happen in the book that in my version was happening in about 15 pages, then... The whole meaning sort of revealed itself to me. I don't even know how to explain it. I just felt this whole new energy and everything fell together. Um, Yeah, I highly recommend research. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm not going to tell you <laughs> if anyone gets Valley Fever, but I can tell you about the title. Um, uh, I there's <clears throat> I was writing and I was at my parents' house uh, in Michigan, and it was me and my mother, who's right here. Hi, mom. <laughs> my mother and I were at the house by ourselves, and uh, she knows not to disturb me when I'm writing there. It's it's. It can be violent sometimes. And, and so she, she, I had come down for water or something, and she says, Catherine, I, I, I know I'm not supposed to interrupt you, but I must tell you something. Some, something has occurred to me. And she says, you know, our accountant has this fungus called valley fever, and I had ne- never heard of it. And she says, I don't know why I think I should tell you about this. And she told me all about valley fever and, and the symptoms. And, and then she says, and also I th- think that would be a very good title. <laughs> and right she was. And, well, yeah. I said, thanks for the tip, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Michaely (laughs) Joel you're not going to have to wait I am going to have a draft done by the end of the year this is not going to be this painful excruciating process that it was this time I can't do that again (laughs) so you talked about how long it took you to do all the I, before I knew anything, and I've never written even a short story like this before, but before I knew anything, I knew the story. It's, this, this, it, it's the, the very basic outline of the story is something that happened to a family friend of ours when I was very young. Um, and so I knew I wanted to write that, and then everything else grew around it. Should we eat and drink? Yes, yes, I'm getting a nod, yes. (laughs) You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.